0: You are listening to the DFJ Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series, brought to you weekly by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. You can find podcasts and videos of these lectures online at ecorner.stanford.edu. Today's guest is really special to us. We have a guest who's flown all the way in from Italy to give this talk. Ferdinando Bossima is a magician, but he also is trained as a mechanical engineer. And in fact, he spends his time now as a consultant helping companies create magical experiences for their customers. He works for companies such as Ferrari and Nike and Microsoft, coming up with ways for them to really create on spying experiences for their customers. So without further ado, Fernando.
1: Thank you, so thank you for inviting me, Uh, my name is Ferdinando and Destina said I am a magic experience designer, uh, which means that I design magical experiences um, waving my two professional backgrounds as a mechanical engineer and as a performing magician or conjurer. And so uh, what is a magic experience? In my mind a magical experience is an experience where I basically I design context and spaces uh, where, uh, where people can, can experience something surprising, something unusual, uh, something magical, uh, something that brings you uh, into out of your normal context. And uh, hopefully you're going to catch uh, new slices of reality that were not under your radar in the first place, which is hopefully what is going to happen in the next uh, 45 minutes or so. So uh, the title of today's talk is The Magician Leadership, and uh, basically it means what it means to think and act like a a magician. So we are trying to address the issue, the idea of leadership, and how it's been evolving in the last few years, Um, and uh, hopefully it will be an entertaining experience for you. So let's start with the Twitter version of this talk. So if any of you... Uh, should go away before the end of it. This is the compact version of what we are going to talk about. Uh, a magician leader is someone who is able to navigate uh, reality in an artful way, uh, open to possibilities, keeping his mind open to what is going to happen for the benefit of the whole. So this is the concept we are going to elaborate upon. Now, um, the basic assumption is that uh, Let's start with a, an image. Um, first of all, let's address the elephant in the room. Why would we use the word magic or the word magician? Uh, because if you uh, if you bear with me till the end of it, the the language of magic uh, it's a very uh, rich uh, language that allow you to conceive and to manifest magical things. So basically, it's it's a language that will allow you to tap into uh, the unordinary slices of reality. Now, if we chart, uh, like you see, um, the spectrum of uh, the electromagnetic field, basically what you can hear and what you see, it's a very tiny slice of the full spectrum. So put it in, in another word, Our ordinary experience, so what we see and what we hear, it's a very tiny slice of what exists, which we generally are not able to access. So uh, put it in a different way, this image is another way of uh, tapping into the idea that there is a huge share of reality which we do not know and we are not even aware of it. Talking about magic is a way of accessing the rest of the unexplored possibilities. Um, So talking about the language of magic is another way of going outside our comfort zone just because magic is exactly where it's going to happen, outside our comfort zone. Uh, Now, we know that our model of reality is made up of many, uh, many pieces that are useful for us to navigate reality. But at the same time, we use many assumptions, uh, many, of which, many of which are useful, but many of others uh, are supposed to be called into question to go beyond them. So let me uh, share with you this piece of video created by uh, an English psychology professor called Richard Wiseman, who is also a magician, and most of his work lies at the boundary of perception, psychology, and magic. So, take a look at this, this is what we mean when we talk about assumptions. Well, this is a a playful and fun and visual way to remind ourselves that this is also, uh, besides this three-dimensional illusion, uh, our perception of reality is made up of many assumptions, and uh, we are here to try to question some of them. Uh, Now, to put it in in another way, um, to use a a quote by the, the English visionary poet William Blake, May God us keep from single vision and Newton's sleep. So according to Blake, Blake was particularly angry with Newton's discoveries on optics uh, because uh, he, 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 th- he thought that mm, Newton somehow reduced vision to its, only to its mechanical and physiological aspects, uh, while Blake thought that vision is something broader and we are here to, to see how we can see beyond and to see beyond is not, doesn't happen through our own eyes. So one of the most, I'm going to reveal you a few secrets of magic, which I consider such, and in order to discover some of these secrets that will allow us to see beyond and then find some sort of connections with the idea of leadership, one of the most powerful tools to see beyond our normal reality uh, is the arts. So the power of the arts, especially in the last few years, uh, it's becoming mainstream as an important tool to nurture leadership. So the idea, the aesthetic experience is considered an important ingredient, not just a nice-to-have, but an important ingredient to complete uh, your, uh, whatever leadership means, uh, to lead yourself and others in ways that are new compared to the past. So we know that in the past years, leadership meant something quite pretty straightforward. Um, the leader gave directions or orders or instructions, and someone else executed them. Uh, nowadays, to, mean, to be a leader means something more complex and uh, to be in tune with the timings that we are living in, we are addressing the issue of leadership in, in new ways. So the idea of the power of the arts is definitely a very important ingredient, just because as, William, as Oscar Wilde said, that uh, we uh, what we see and how we see it depends on the arts that have influenced us. Um, so it's an it's historically, uh, a training in the liberal arts um, has been considered a fundamental ingredient to see reality and to expand your perception of it in ways that are totally magical. Uh, I recently came across um, an interesting uh, paper from the uh, from the American Journal of uh, Medicine. And basically, the title of this is The Use of Fine Arts to Enhance Visual Diagnostic Skills. So this is just one of the many papers that address the fact that exposing yourself to arts in whatever format will allow you to to become more sensitive to the complexities of reality and transcend the more superficial aspects of it. So according to this study, the uh, medicine students who've been exposed to arts in a very specific way increased by 25% their diagnostic skills. So this is one of the few uh, quantitative studies that uh, pointed towards uh, how, uh, how very practically being exposed to arts will enhance your uh, reading of the world, and in this case, how you can interpret a patient uh, situation. Uh, now, the fact that the arts can have an impact on how we see reality and how we how we can incorporate arts in our um, professional life. Uh, in this case, I just want to quote uh, Steve Jobs. And this is basically, by the way, this is the cover of The Economist, uh, the first cover of The Economist since uh, Steve Jobs died. And they titled uh, The Magician, of course, as a, a tribute. Now of course, it's very well-known uh, the impact that Steve Jobs had on our culture, on his, on his whole. Um, now let me just quote this piece straight from his words.
0: It comes down to trying to expose yourself to the best things that humans have done and then try to bring those things in to what you're doing. I mean Picasso had a saying, he said good artists copy, great artists steal and we have you know, always I've been shameless about stealing great ideas um, and I think part of what made the Macintosh grade was that the people working on it were musicians and poets and artists and zoologists and historians who also happened to be the best computer scientists in the world.
1: Now, um, it's already known fact that this separation between art and science uh, is something wrong. Basically, there is not, it's not two opposites. And uh, I found it beautifully captured, the essence of this idea, in the words of Buckminster Fuller, uh, who, who said that, when I'm working on a problem, I never think about beauty. But when I've finished, if the solution is not beautiful, I know it is wrong. So this is another way of trying to address the fact that exposing yourself to art and beauty in whatever format uh, it's a very key ingredient to bring the concept of leadership, personal leadership and towards other to its next level. Uh, now, this is the moment of the trivia of the day. Uh, did you know that at some point uh, around the 16th century, some of my European ancestors thought that California was, a, as a matter of fact, an island? I found this piece of information quite interesting. And by the way, uh, this has been a long, um, mis- long-held misconception that went viral, well, whatever viral meant at that time. <laughs> uh, and people stick to it. Now, I found maps pretty fascinating tools. Uh, maps are fascinating tools to make sense out of external reality and to navigate into reality. Uh, Well, nowadays, all the maps that we have to chart external reality are quite accurate. As a matter of fact, very few reality, very few maps to make sense of our uh, evolving social and cultural uh, background uh, are meaningful. So it's always more and more difficult to draw maps to make sense out of a very complex evolving uh, landscape. Uh, now, mm, as someone say, we live in a VUCA world. Have you heard the word, the word VUCA? Uh, taken from the military jargon and now drawn into the corporate uh, world, VUCA means a, a world which is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. So basically all our certainties are kind of evaporated. And uh, in order to survive and to thrive, in such an environment, we don't need a more more complex model. Uh, We don't need a more refined and more sophisticated map. Uh, What is useful to survive into this kind of uh, environment is a concept called negative capability. Now, the idea of negative capability is a a creation of uh, the English poet John Keats. Uh, According to John Keats, Negative capability is the ability to live into uncertainties, to live into mystery, uh, to process and to conceive opposite ideas and nonetheless be able to function. So negative capability is the, the ability that can be trained uh, to, to stand in a moment of uncertainty where you don't know, you're, you're, you don't have any uh, much certain reference points, and nonetheless being able to stand into it and be able to function. Uh, Now, this is another interesting study. Well, in the literary, in the field of uh, management literary, um, there are multiplicity of studies uh, addressing the fact that nowadays a good manager and a good leader is someone who is able just to stand into a situation without much certainties and be open and being able to navigate into these waters uh, in a comfortable way. So uh, the idea of being standing open to what, what's happening, to what's going to happen, uh, like, being, um, like listening to subtle signals, the weak signals that are emerging and basically the role of a manager and a leader is to facilitate the emergence of uh, things that want to emerge. But again, the idea of standing in the midst of chaos, standing in the midst of, complex, of complexity, and nonetheless being able to function. Uh, and also being, being able to uh, go with the flow, as they say, and uh, being open to serendipitous events, because good things can happen. So it's a kind of postmodern kind of faith. Just stay there, just be quiet, don't hurry up and don't speed up decisions. Uh, just let's wait and see what happens. Now to, I, I plan to give you a small uh, pill of uh, negative capability just to train you, just to give you a, a stimulation of how to uh, endure this idea of negative capability. I'm going to show you a very quick video which is going to blur the lines of what you think is real and is going to blur the lines of your reference point or your frame of reference and the game is to be able to just experience it uh, without trying to pinpoint, to to pin it down to some sort of explanation and to understanding and just be with it. So let's see what happens. So, uh, again, one of the, by, of the side effects and byproducts of exposing yourself to arts in general, it's an enhanced ability to be in this negative capability state. Uh, so again, we fall back to the idea that exposing yourself to arts uh, is a good cure to bring our leadership uh, understanding to its next level. And uh, mm, so in the third secret I want to reveal you, has to do with the concept of narratives. So the idea of the narrative creates reality. And with this we mean that uh, the way we, how we use our words uh, and our language has a very specific impact and effect on how we perceive reality. So we perceive reality mediating it through our own language and how we map experience and how we process them has a very specific psychological impact on on us. Uh, So basically how we decide to say things, they have a very specific uh, inner outcome. Um, And this is a known fact to people, I mean to linguists linguists, uh, who, according to the, the kind of metaphors and language structures that we use, we shape our understanding of reality. And this is, of course, it has to do with the idea of leadership itself and calling it, it magician leader leadership instead of, uh, for example, warrior leadership, which is the typical narrative web, narrative uh, uh, domain that it is typically associated with the metaphor of leadership of the last decades. Uh, typically in the 19th and 20th century, that were specifically uh, characterized by control, by certainties, uh, by predictability. Typical metaphors had uh, a warrior-like and control-like, command and control-like flavor. Uh, shifting towards complexity, we, we are witnessing a shift toward a more organic uh, set of metaphors. And the idea of magic itself is a way of addressing the unknown and mysterious aspects of reality, which are not under our immediate control. Um, now, a very n- nice quote that I came up with is that the universe is made of stories, not of atoms. And uh, according to this American poet, the way how we tell ourselves stories, this is another way of addressing the fact, uh, these stories take shape in our uh, reality. And uh, we, of course, we have our own uh, personal narrative, and also there are collective narratives. Uh, Narratives also shape uh, a corporate culture or a a nation culture, and we have also global narratives. So there are a multiplicity of levels of narratives. Uh, Talking about leadership, a very interesting way of uh, reframing the idea of leadership nowadays is through this uh, piece of writing. Leadership in the 21st century is like dancing on a slippery floor. If you try to stay in control, your energy will be focused on not falling. But if you relax and use the walks on the floor to facilitate your dance moves, it will be a lot more fun and effective. So this is another way, this is a very intre- I found this metaphor very interesting to address the idea of leadership, to go beyond the mere command and control uh, attitude. So just go with the flow uh, and hopefully have fun with it. Now how can we start to explore uh, our own personal narrative, there is a very, and also to explore, to be aware, that narratives can be uh, designed, that can be modified, can be woven. They are basically made up, but according to how you make them up, different meanings emerge, different uh, slices of reality emerge. Now you can play a very simple game, which is a very simple question, and the question being why you do what you do. Uh, This is a a meme which started as an art project at the art festival called Burning Man. And uh, starting with this very simple line, and there is, of course, a website that you can check, basically the question is try to come up with some sort of narrative, some sort of explanation, uh, some sort of language description of why you do what you do. Uh, As simple as this question may seem, uh, the the replies that you can come up with can reach uh, quite an interesting level of uh, complexity. And basically the art project was focused on the fact that you can come up with something quick and nice and short and the art project was keep your, have your photographs with your sign and basically the website is a collection of people explaining the world, telling the world why they do what they do. And sometimes when people ask myself, this is a piece of my personal narrative, why people ask how can a, an engineer, how can a mechanical engineer shift, shift gears and become a magician? Uh, as a matter of fact, it's not a radical change uh, because how I see it, and this is, of course, it's my personal uh, way of describing it, I've always been fascinated with mechanism. I've always been curious how things work, uh, be it a watch or a, an engine or a magic trick or a psychological mechanism. So the pattern that connects is to understand and come up with how things work. And that's how it uh, makes sense to, to me to describe what I'm doing even nowadays. So the idea of addressing and exploring your personal narrative, it's a way of making yourself conscious of how narrative works and how we can conjure up with them to make them as meaningful as possible for ourselves. And uh, a last secret that I wanted to share with you, Uh, as a matter of fact, secrets are something that can be revealed, but some other secrets are meant to be discovered. And uh, for this reason, uh, my, uh, my last secret is an invitation to you to figure out by yourself. And how you can figure out by yourself? Uh, basically doing two things. One is download this presentation from my website, uh, which is www.ferdinando.biz/etl.ppt, And the moment you review this presentation, uh, with a keen eye, there is something, there is a secret to be discovered inside of it. So just to keep the uh, the feeling of uh, exploration going. Uh, and the second thing that you can do uh, is to resort to one of my favorite magic tools ever, and I'm talking about books. Uh, books are a very ancient and powerful way to access uh, hidden dimensions and Ordinary Dimensions, and uh, this is a list of 10 books that you can, uh, hopefully, you can uh, explore, and each one of them explores, di- explores different nuances of what uh, speaking the language of magic means and entails. Uh, most of them, of course, has a, an, they have an entrepreneurial and uh, business-like orientation, but as you, I hope you get so far, most of the ideas we are talking so far uh, are related to your evolution as human beings in the general sense. Uh, And so exploring the language of magic is a way of uh, working to a higher frequency. So finally, um, how can we know if we are walking on the magician path? How can we know if we are walking on the path of being uh, a magician leader. Uh, well, one thing that you can keep your eye on to, to understand if you are doing your magician leader job properly is to keep your eye on what is called synchronicity. So, synchronicity is a, a fancy word that comes from the work of uh, one of the founding fathers of psychoanalysis, Carl Jung. And uh, in Jung's description, a synchronicity. Uh, it's an event, it's a a meaningful coincidence. When, for example, like you're thinking about someone and then you meet this person in the street, or you think about someone and the telephone rings and you meet this person. So it's like a synchronicity, it's an event that basically uh, shows a sort of connection between what you're thinking, your inner workings, and the external world. Um, As a matter of fact, as a student student of engineering, you are uh, totally in tune with that kind of magic that we call technology. Uh, And in the last, say, 400 years, our culture favored this kind of magic uh, that we call technology, which is something outside ourselves. As a matter of fact, the, the tools of magic that we've been addressing so far, it's the kind of inner technology that can guide yourself to behave and to think and to act like a magician. So talking about synchronicity, uh, synchronicity also shows some sort of connection between past, present, and future. Uh, In the words of Albert Einstein, uh, people like us who believe in physics know that the distinction between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. And so in order to address this idea (coughs) of uh, what a synchronicity is, I would like to play, uh, to do an experiment. Uh, an experiment which, <clears throat> uh, which is a way of showing you a connection between past, present and future uh, and from a connection with, within inner thinking and external uh, world events. So um, I'm going to show you what the, the physicist David Bohm called the wholeness, the unbroken wholeness of the implicate order. So basically, this is what is going to happen. Um, this is the deal. Before coming here, uh, I asked Tina, I, I sent an envelope to Tina, and I'm asking her to bring this envelope today with her. Tina, will you just confirm this is what, is what I'm saying is true? Yes. Okay, so you have this envelope with you, which you received sometime in the past, and you kept it sealed so far, with the promise of bringing it with you today. Is that yes. correct? Yes. So Tina's envelope is holding uh, a thought from the past. Now today, let's fast forward to today. I asked Letizia, okay. Uh, now please just confirm that what I'm saying is true. Uh, I ask you just to, to make a blank, space, a blank space in your mind to think about a, ca- a playing card and seal the thought of this card into your mind. You had the free choice. Please tell out loud if what I'm saying is correct.
0: Yes, it is correct.
1: And we didn't agree not only what we just said, right? So you are holding a thought of a playing card freely chosen in your mind, is that correct? Yeah. So this is you're holding in your mind the present, a thought from the present. And in a moment, uh, can I ask your help? Will you come here for a minute? Thank you. And your name is? Akash. Akash. Thank you for helping. My pleasure. Akash, stand here. Thank you. What is going to happen in a moment? You are going to act an action which is going to happen in the next uh, immediate future. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, Akash. Here we have a pack of uh, playing cards. Okay. Now do me a favor, just touch any card. Do not show to anyone. Just pull it close to your chest. Let not anyone see it, just keep it here for a moment. Fair? Yep. Now, this is the three events we've been working on a thought from the past, a thought from the present, and an action from the future, which is now manifested. Fair? Sounds good. Now, um, Letizia, will, will you, def- for the first time, just name out loud which is the card you're thinking of? The Four of Diamonds. The, the Four of Diamonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tina, will you please open up for the first time the envelope that you've been keeping and show it to everyone? <laughs> it's the four of diamonds. Akash, will you show everyone the card you just picked? It's the four
0: of diamonds. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: That's incredible. Thank you. Thanks Thank you. a lot. And this is the moment, any (laughs) questions? Thank you. Please.
0: Uh, Are you allowed to reveal the secret?
1: (laughs) As a matter of fact, there is no secret. This is just what happened and if you navigate and you are sensitive to what happens, you just go with the flow, I deeply believe that magical things happen. <laughs> Please. Had the cards not been the same, did you have a different ending? Because <laughs> magical things just This is a good question. But as we had a, a weird start, I had a very deep faith that the final ending was going to work. And of course there is always an element of, uh, yes, as in life, we live in a WUCA world, uh, which is volatile, uncertain, complex. And so, yeah, you have to navigate into it.
0: Is it a coincidence that everyone that was just picked for the example is associated with the administration of this class in some way? <laughs> uh,
1: no, but this is a good question. And just, just before coming here, just, there is a saying that big great minds think alike. And Letizia, which I asked for her help just before starting here, she, uh, she had the same thought, right? I only ask people to, to partake just to make sure that they are not uncomfortable in front of an audience. In any case, as a famous magician from the 50s said, uh, and this man was a mentalist, the people who play with their mind, make reading the future, make things like this happen. This gentleman said that for those who believe no explanation is necessary. For those who do not believe, no explanation will suffice. (laughs) It means that in the audience there will always be the person who thinks this is prearranged, which is not, Uh, and in the audience will be the people who believe this is just happening. And asking their help, especially Tina's help, Letizia's help, and Akash's help, it's also a way of validating the fact that they're not lending themselves to an experiment just to make me look cool, and besides I am a magician, okay, (laughs) thank you. Yes.
0: So you create magical experiences for customers like Nike or Ferrari. What types of things do you do for them?
1: So um, let's touch upon a couple of different subjects. Uh, One of the topics that I uh, deal with is the topic of innovation. And when by innovation, we mean the creation, the creation of something which is new, uh, even remixing pieces of existing things, and that brings into emergent things that something, for some reason are new. And the narrative and the language of magic lends itself quite beautifully to discover new territories which you didn't even envision that existed. So we are in the realm of uh, instead of problem-solving, we are in the realm of problem-setting. And again, the idea of conceiving something that you do not even know that exists, it's typically speaking the domain of magic. So this is one piece of the puzzle. Another piece of the puzzle, when we come to customer relationship management, uh, in the last few years, the concept of experience design uh, kind of took shape. So how we can juggle, how we can mix with the ingredients in order to facilitate a specific experience to emerge. And this applies whatever kind of business that has a customer base. Nowadays, many companies are somehow steering towards exploring the idea of how can we make a more engaging and more deep and meaningful experience for our customers. So in that case, my intervention is to stimulate the thought on how to create magical experiences which are something that transcended the normal, ordinary, and mundane, And it's it's the creation of a customer experience that uh, whose goal is to delight the customer. We kind of take nowadays, we we take for granted the idea of customer satisfaction and uh, any company that wants to to thrive and survive uh, profitably, uh, it's better, better devote some energies to the creation of an experience which is engaging, immersive, pleasant, meaningful, and hopefully delightful. Yes? How do you quantify that? This you yeah. You need to do that for your <laughs> clients in some way. Uh, can you repeat the question, please? Okay, uh, yes. Uh, how can I quantify, how can you quantify? The experiences that you create and their success for your clients, for your clients' clients. Yes. yes. So uh, the issue of how you quantify uh, an experience is, of course, it's an open, it's an open question. Uh, first of all, if we buy into the narrative of negative capability, for example, there is a, a huge slice of reality which cannot be measured. So let's assume even how can we measure uh, if a, a painting is more, is more worth than another painting or a sculpture? How can we compare a sculpture to a painting or a, a dish of spaghetti, right? It's a very diffi- difficult thing to, to compare. Um, but nonetheless, the idea of addressing how you can measure this uh, I would say uh, a happy customer, happy client, a coming-back customer that refers you to other customer through words of mouth, it's a pretty good indicator that you're doing a good job. Like when people after a show, like when they applaud, it means that are, you're doing a good job. Or like if you're a stand-up comedian and you get a laugh, it means you're doing a good job. Even if you're not, strictly speaking, able to measure it, in a quantitative way. How do you bring magic to industries of problems where by definition success involves no surprises? I don't. <laughs> well, uh, maybe we have to reframe the concept of surprise. Can you just articulate a little bit more what you mean? I don't know, there's many fields that require a very stable type of environment. Uh, lawyers require no surprise things. Sometimes engineers too. Uh, yet, how you bring leadership that comes with the magic that you talk about okay. into these environments? Well, uh, probably some business or some fields can be more can be more. Uh, the language of magic can be more coherent if we are talking about products or services. And with this I agree with you. Some places maybe are more uh, uh, organically ready to speak the language of magic and accept it. But when I talk mainly about the idea of leadership, uh, if, we, if we consider this like a personal trait or a personal set of skills, this is something that transcends any business you find yourself into. Does it make sense? So some some business and some products may may benefit of the language of magic more than others. But when we come to leadership, I think, uh, given it, this is a personal inner setup. This is something with, that is that transcends any specific business. Does the language of magic work in any language? <laughs> Pretty much, yes. I would say so, yeah, uh, and the more language you know, the more your uh, nuances of making magic happen through language will make uh, your uh, magic richer. So in, in, you know, in the lore of magic, a magic spell is basically uh, a piece of language properly crafted and properly designed to make things happen. Uh, so without any delving into any new agey quantum gibberish, Uh, just sticking to the uh, psychological and linguistic implication of it is already enough, not only the symbolic ones, of course, to make, to explore hidden nuances embedded in the language. Another question. A magician that is, an English magician, for example, that is successful in English, is he successful all over the world? So if a magician performing in English... Exactly, yeah. uh, well, if you're able to, uh, to tune in into the language signal of the person you perform for, that's the trick. You need, of course, to address people in, their, in the language that they can understand. Okay? Yes?
0: What about the practice of magic has most surprised you, it's most taken you? The <coughs>
1: Uh, what do you specifically mean with, uh, with this?
0: What have you been, so from, from your experience with Magic, yes. and your experience advising clients with Magic, what have you maybe experienced that surprised you that you didn't expect?
1: So what, I, what surprised me in my practice as Magic Consultant, what surprised me? Um, well, surprises me when people come up with fresh and new ideas uh, that are astonishing. Or they come up with a new bits and pieces of a new piece of customer experience that maybe they were under your nose they were somehow latent, and when you you bring them into attention and you make them manifest it 's like bringing a new piece of something from a hidden reel into visibility and that 's for me it 's always an amazing moment when you just manifest and show a piece of a piece of idea that didn 't you didn't see before.
0: Can you give some examples? Yes.
1: Um, well, I think that this is every example is can be it's so um, specific for the the experience that you create that taking out of context might sound like uh, trivial or superficial. It's not that I don't want to give you examples, but the creation of a new product that which whose uh, evolution. Whose unfolding I have followed, it's a piece of magical thing because it brings into emergence something that was not there, there before. So just the creation of a piece of new product, of a piece of new service that is specific for the company, that's where the magic lies for me. Okay, just following this whole process from the beginning till its manifestation in reality.
0: Can you tell us something specific that you uh, suggested for Nike or that came out? Your consultation with
1: Maggie that we can relate to. You. Um, I'm not sure this is something that we can disclose here. <laughs> Sorry about that. So I think I think it's a little bit to articulate might take some time. So I'm I will be willing to do this after the, the presentation. Thank you. Yes. Do you believe creating magical experiences and innovation is a talent you're born with or a skill that you can learn? I totally believe it's a skill that you can learn. It's a a, a set of ideas and uh, memes, generally speaking, that you can definitely explore and uh, put in practice, so it's definitely something that you can learn. Yes. And again, my royal road to this would be the book list that I suggested, so that will, be, that will open up many doors that will give you directions on how to, to deal with it. How did you learn magic? Like many young magician kid, since I was a kid, started as a hobby and then at some point it became my profession.
0: What type of things do you do during
1: the day to bring magical experiences to your life? So, how I access what I do personally to have magical experiences. So, of course, uh, I collect experiences. I try to expose myself to a variety, to a rich variety of very different experiences, and arts being a a, a big share of it, uh, and arts in the form of movies, theater piece, uh, contemporary arts, conceptual arts. And I would say that the rest of the big slice. It's books. Uh, I deeply believe that books, even in this postmodern e-books time era, read on your screen and surf the web, books are still, offer still the highest quality of information that you, you can access. And besides that, it's another way of opening up your mind uh, to a reading experience uh, to tap into uh, very subtle energies. So I would definitely say that books are still uh, a good share of how I personally access magical experiences besides the, the one that happened in 3D, three-dimensional life and uh, keeping exposing myself to wow things. So that's of course, that's my menu. Yeah. Related to a question on target audience, um, in your experience what type of people are more willing to believe what you do who tends to be more and when you do you try to convert them? <coughs> if so, how do you convert So the question is, uh, how, what is the, the ratio of people who, who are sensitive to this language of magic and who are the cynical, and how I deal with them if I try to convert them? Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, I would not say I try to convert them. Uh, I, I think that <coughs> magic as an art form, as a performing arts. Uh, some people are drawn to it, other people totally reject it. Like many people hate, uh, hate to go to a jazz concert and people do not go to movies or people do not listen to music generally speaking. So uh, there is not one-size-fits-all uh, art form. And so I, I would say that people who are sensitive or in, who have an intuition of a feeling that this narrative of magic is meaningful or interesting or uh, activate curiosity, that's somehow the people whom naturally and organically I get in contact with. When we come to the cynical, uh, again, back to the idea that no matter how you try, this is not something, this is very, the narrative and the language of magic is something very fragile you cannot push it to make someone get it uh, and you cannot force it if for some reason you have an intuition that this is something that makes sense. Otherwise, you just, as another mean, you just, you can drop it. But I do not believe that it's something that you can force or you can sell or you can persuade, uh, not even convert, someone who is not already somehow in tune with this kind of vibration. You used a video by Richard Wiseman, who's quite big in the modern skeptical community. Yes, there are many magicians in the modern skeptical community, and the goal of that is to show people how easily you were fooled. Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting to your clients that good leadership is really about fooling people? <laughs> That's a good question. So the question is, <clears throat> as Richard Wiseman and many magicians uh, are in the are, the are skeptics, and so they fight against. Uh, false belief system, uh, the question is if I, am, if I am suggesting that leadership is something that has to do with fooling one another. Uh, I don't think I have used the word fool uh, neither once. Uh, no, I, I, don't, mm, I don't agree with how much of the skeptic, the bankers conversation is led because I believe that many magicians, the magicians that Uh, support this fight uh, are somehow integralist, are rational integralist in their own way. So they are, in my idea, they're not even skeptics. They are rational, uh, narrow reality tunnel people who are not even able to conceive that there is something that goes beyond what we do not understand. So they say that if if you cannot measure it, if you cannot touch it with your hand, doesn't exist. And this is, in my perception, in my perspective, this is a, a limited uh, view of reality. Uh, so back to the idea of trying to fool other people, no, I don't believe it. I don't believe that leadership is, uh, has nothing to do with fooling other people. I believe that leadership in the magician leadership format is a way of uh, uh, engaging people uh, empowering people, and uh, let them buy your own narrative because they share, they found it meaningful and resonant with how they feel. And so leadership is a way of uh, uh, playfully seducing people to, uh, to play on a project, to, you know, to devote their energies to a goal which they r- deeply believe that it's worthwhile pursuing. <laughs> thank you for asking. Uh, my final magic trick will be a piece of language magic, which will be uh, the story with which we are going to close in a moment, uh, just right now, so thank you for asking. And the final piece of magic, which I consider my, such, because magic is, when we say magic trick, basically the trick is a tool to induce a state of wonder or astonishment, right? So, but like the famous uh, Zen metaphor of uh, the finger pointing to the moon, if you just look at the finger, you lose the beauty of the moon. So the finger is just a tool pointing towards something else. So in this sense, this last piece, it's a magic trick. And I hope you get it with the proper intention of it. So to close this conversation, uh, I have this, a final image and a story. This is the image. This is the Im- an image that most of you have seen multiple times. Uh, it is called Earthrise and uh, it's been uh, shot in 1968 uh, by the crew of astronauts from Apollo 8, uh, that were the first bunch of people that escaped the uh, Earth's gravitational field. And uh, in that moment, the United States president was Lyndon Johnson, And one of his last acts as president was to send this picture to all the um, leaders, all the political leaders of the planet, even the ones with whom he had no uh, diplomatic relationship. And uh, in Lyndon Johnson's intentions, sending this image was an invitation to uh, reconsider, from this transformational perspective, uh, to reconsider our endeavors on the planet, Uh, our divides and our challenges as a whole. This is what uh, Buckminster Fuller called, uh, using a very beautiful metaphor, this is spaceship Earth, uh, which is a very beautiful collective metaphor to make sense of what this image means. And so all of this to say that uh, as magician leaders, uh, we have to basically to take, the goal is to take responsibility and to be able to think in a systemic way, which means being able to recognize that everything is connected with everything else. And uh, so from this perspective, uh, the magician leader is someone who is able to, um, magician leader being a business person, an entrepreneur, or a politician, the goal of all of this is um, to devote our best energies to make the world a better place uh, for everyone. Thank you for playing with me.
0: You have been listening to the Draper Fisher Jurvetson Entrepreneurial Thought Leader Series, brought to you weekly by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. You can find additional podcasts and videos of these lectures online at ecorner.stanford.edu.